Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal! These guys are good! Scary good! And this crowd is going bananas! As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello everyone, welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. Uh, A new week has begun here with a... What, 12 game slate on on Tuesday night it's a it's a wonderful slate 11 of the games have uh some serious jeopardy to them too either a team fighting for a playoff spot or fighting in a divisional race there's only one real like dead matchup and guess what that one's going to feature off the top of the show too uh but before we get to it uh let's talk about our favorite underdogs Tim uh in the green room there was some consternation about your your pick uh here uh so I decided to just hit record we'll start with it it's the Flyers and the Lightning, Tampa coming in off of a huge weekend, sweep a weekend series uh, or a week weekend back-to-back on Long Island, then in New Jersey, in regulation. Both teams are were kind of fighting for their playoff lives against the Bolts. They took care of business, one of which, uh, one of those games was with Jonas Johansson in goal. They're now a minus-120 favorite against the Flyers, who are starting to head in the other direction. Flyers are an even money, home underdog at home. Total here is six. Nick is in a tizzy that you're picking the Flyers here, but why are you going with Philly? Yeah, I mean, first off, I don't really know why anyone should be throwing stones on this podcast, which uh, the way it's been going for uh, the, the triplets of us here, it's it's been a tough couple of weeks. We're j- and you, you got to pick an underdog, okay? And uh, I don't think there's only a few underdogs on this board that you can really feel uh, decent about. And Philly, for me, um, first off, they fit the profile of, uh, you know, an underdog we've enjoyed betting all season. It is three and four for both teams. I'm kind of going with more of a, I'd like to lean with the home team here and the team that's in a little more of a buy low spot with the team that just lost uh, the back-to-back as opposed to Tampa Bay here. I also, um, I just really get concerned that Tampa Bay, like if you're betting on them, you're, you're betting that they get power plays. And I don't know how, like, how how um reliable of a betting path that is um i think i really do like the way you know the flyer we should be getting urson here too which is you know way better than peterson um uh, than he looked on sunday i just think the gap is 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 not that not that crazy between these two teams i think they're kind of 
jockeying for for playoff position and i still think that the flyers are a really tough out as an underdog so them at even money here i just think that they can give tampa um some fits in terms of uh the you know they're like winnipeg with like four third lines or so whereas uh tampa bay definitely uh, has more ability to score but um they definitely rely on their stars a lot so i'm hoping that just uh philly kind of lull them into a bit of a play this game in a phone booth and come out with a win here Nick. Yeah, I don't mind it. I came around. I think a tizzy was a really big, you know, overstatement. I, at first, I was, you know, I am pretty low on Tampa right now. I really don't. I think you can get them defensively. I don't think they have that many guys driving play in the right direction. Obviously, the Kucherov line. But um, I don't disagree at all. I think it's, I hate getting these spots where it just feels like the Lightning can steal this with their goaltending and their special teams play. I feel like those are always annoying. Um this to me looks like a spot where I might target actually Urson to go under his saves prop. We've seen some of these Flyers games at home where they're just completely sweltering defensively. I could see it getting set a little high. I also don't think that, you know, the Bolts are a team that's going to drive play heavily in the right direction right now. They're not getting much out of Stamkos. The the back end's pretty middling. So it feels I don't hate the spot. I'm in agreement with you. I mean, the Islanders game. I don't even really know what to say about your Islanders right now, Mike. And then the Devils game, I thought the Devils were absolutely horrible. That looks like a team that's just quit. Um, one of the most blatant examples of uh, coaching malpractice I think we've seen. So, yeah, I, I can see it from that perspective. I think maybe a good uh, spot to sell on the Lightning. Before you go, Lee Buff here, sorry. I can almost argue, too, with uh, Philly going 0-2 on the weekend and Tampa going 2-0. That Philly almost showed better because those were pretty, you know, kind of coin flip games. In Tampa Bay, it was really about their opponent, um, you know, losing those games as much as it was Tampa Bay winning. One of them being the Islanders, but yeah, um, you know, is what it is. I was building a crib during the Islander Lightning game and watching it at the same time. It was miserable. Um, Just sn- snap it two over fronts, your, snap two it fronts. Over your I was leg. fighting an Eastern <laughs> and Western front and lost both of them. Um, I'll save my thoughts on Flyers and Bolts till the end of the show. Uh, Devils and Sharks up next uh, to continue to the underdog segment. New Jersey is minus 250 on the road here at the tank. Sharks plus 205, total six and a half. And Nick, you kind of made my argument for me when you were talking about the the Bolts and the Devils here. This looks like it could be a disastrous spot for New Jersey. Uh, They technically like they, they got the job done and on Saturday uh, before vomiting all over themselves against the lightning on Sunday. But um, even that game against the Habs, it, that to me was almost as much of an indictment as the loss the next day because they get the win, they get the uh, Nico Heischer scores a game winner late. They needed to come back in that game all game long. Like that's a team that the Devils should just be dominating. Uh, in in that situation, they couldn't get it done, and now they head across the country to take on a, a Sharks team that is at the has been uh, and is still near the bottom uh, of the NHL standings. They're at home though. The Sharks have been a little bit better. Um, at the tank than on the road of the season. I'd look for hopefully uh Mackenzie Blackwood to start maybe a little revenge spot here against his former team. Uh but the, the numbers just long the numbers long enough here to bet into uh the narratives. Like we we tr- we tend to try to pick and choose which ones we want to be, uh, to dive into and which ones we we don't think have uh too much credence. I think that this time with the Devils looking the way they do it actually is playable, uh, especially because you're getting a big number on on a Sharks team that has been competitive. Like we've we've talked about it um, at length now. Like this this Sharks team, they're they've won four out of ten. That doesn't seem great, but when you're getting the numbers you get on the Sharks, uh, 
you're going to come out ahead. So I like San Jose here. I also like the fact that, you know, we're, we're getting real close to the deadline too. So they've got some players that are going to continue to try to, you know, and, and if you think this is a stretch, that's, I can listen to that argument too. But I think there are some players now who are trying to uh, play themselves onto other teams. So uh, yeah, the devils look weird, man. And I'm happy to take a, a team better than two to one uh, to see just how weird they can get. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm, I completely agree on all fronts with this pick. I don't think you have to reach for like a narrative that the Devils are quitting to say that this is the right pick. Like if you look at the recent underlying statistics of these teams, it's perfectly fine on that front. You look at the actual play of the Devils. It's been hideous. It was really bad on Sunday. I can see, you know, like we talked about before the show, I think there's a world where they show up and get right here, obviously. But their play has been so far from like being worthy of this kind of a price tag that I think you just have to pull the trigger on the Sharks. Devil's goaltending can always fall apart too. It's been decent lately, but again, we always see goaltenders go get into this kind of a stretch for a small sample size, um, so they can easily fall apart on that front. And then, yeah, I think there's a world where like you look at, obviously it's diff, like you know when you're in the middle of a game like that where you're getting slapped in a big spot, no one's going to look into it, but they looked completely checked out versus Tampa. But I don't think Ruff has any answers for what's going on right now. His usage usages are idiotic. Um, no adjustments on the power play. Everything that's going on right now seems bad. And the more we get into it, the more I think that Andrew Burnett was the reason that team turned around some of the things they did last season because his predator side looks so much better, so much more well-organized, a lot more competent offensively, and he's working with way less. And meanwhile, Ruff just has no idea what he's doing. It seems like the lines just randomly get put into a blender. Uh, Luke Hughes is playing horrible too. I don't know what's going on with him. I think people have been really picking on Jack Hughes. I don't think he's been as bad. There's been some soft moments, but you could also pick out three should be assists from Sunday's game that were pretty like nasty plays. So hasn't been great. Hasn't been at his best, but um, they just don't have a lot going for them right now. I think this number's way too long. And I, yeah, last aside, I very surprised that Ruff is coaching this game. Like I, I can't see in what world you, think you could you switch it up and things are actually going to go worse it doesn't feel like that's a thing right right now to me i feel like you they you just do it and live with it and the players seem like they're miserable like i feel like it doesn't seem like one of these things where they're rallying to try to like push back and and shut up the crowd it's chanting like fire lindy it feels like it's the opposite where they're just like waiting for it to drop so i like the spot i think the numbers line up i think it's a good time to take a shot yeah, I mean, the Sharks are the play here for sure. And, you know, much has been made about the Devils goaltending and all, oh, you know, poor Devils, they can't get a save. Like, they don't deserve to get a save. Like, this is just, they've played so poorly that they do not deserve a save. It's been so uninspired. Like, it's just, they just piss me off to no end uh, watching this team play. And it's like, oh, not the next is like, fire the coach. It's like, I just feel like they don't, they don't even deserve a life raft. Um, but I, I guess from the Devils perspective, you're seeing like, if we can like win two in a row for San Jose and Anaheim, like are we right back in this thing, get four points out of that. Like you, the longer you wait here, I just think the the longer you're delaying, like the hopeful coach bounce. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about like, Oh, is a team dead? Like, you know, are they a corpse? Like, I think the devils is like, this might not even be the bottom yet. Like they losing to San Jose and or Anaheim, is still very much in the cards. So this doesn't feel like, like a buy low on the devils because it seems like they could still continue to fall here. If it's, if all three of us are like, it's very plausible that they could lose to the San Jose sharks. I think that means that the bottom isn't there yet. Yeah. I, 
I mean, there's clearly some must win baked into this line right now, I think. And it's not just like you look at various models. I I haven't really seen anyone who's pricing this game at this uh, number that it's at. So it's not even just like you you don't need to just reach into the narratives here to just come up with something that why this can be competitive. So, yeah. And I know that's the other thing that we've talked about setting up these coaches with like good spots to take over. This was a good spot to take over because the devils could play like a horrible team game in these two matchups and find a way to win right like they have the talent to do that so just it feels like it's the opposite where you know obviously it sounds like kind of counterintuitive to what we're saying with the sharks winning but it's still we're we obviously are aware it's still more likely the devils win this game i just think it's way too long of a number yep yeah the devils the islanders and the penguins to some extent they all kind of fall in the same category to me like that dream that you have all the time we all have where you 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 don't go to class for a semester then you show up on the last day and you got to take a final like these teams have to ace the final now so uh <laughs> you slept through class all semester tim and now you got to win uh nick you have if you squint really hard uh we can call the arizona coyotes an underdog in montreal uh the coyotes i guess it's fair to call them an underdog because they've lost a dozen in a row um 18 i think it's the record the sabers uh in 2020 and i think the penguins in 050 or 506 yep uh, are the holders of that record? Uh, Arizona and Montreal. It's a pick 'em. Coyotes slight underdog, depending where you look. Total of six. I've got nothing here, so um, I'm happy to hear you talk about the Yotes. Is this the playoff push? Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a playoff push, but I do think that the Yotes. And granted, I had hoped for a slightly better price, but I still fully believe they deserve to be a favorite in this game, which seems kind of surprising, but. First off, I just look at the roster makeup still. What we thought of this team at full health entering the year. And you look at their last stretch. It's the perfect stretch to make a team look bad. They lost an overtime to the Jets last night, which was brutal. And they were right there. I mean, Dersey is going to finish his breakaway in overtime some percentage of the time. Crashes into uh, Schmaltz or whoever it was. And it's a three-on-one the other way. And that was just the perfect way for them to stretch their losing streak right now. Uh, before that... Loss versus the Leafs, Oilers, Colorado, Hurricanes, and the Wild. So I really do think they're playing better and that it's just not showing because they've played such good teams. All those teams are ripping right now. The only one, the Oilers are a little little cold, but really pretty nightmare schedule. So I think that's working into a huge part of why they've extended this losing streak, why they're looking worse. And then the other factor I like, they should have Ingram back in goal again for this game. He He was solid in the Jets game. We've talked about how another huge part of their recent struggle has been how horrific the goaltending has got. Um, I don't think we're going to see Ingram look like the goalie he was earlier in the year, but I do think he's going to offer way better play than what they got out of Vezmelka. So hopefully it'll be him. If not, I can live with it. But um, I just think this is the right spot for them to snap the streak. It makes me think a lot about when the Sharks came into Montreal earlier in the year and we were big on the Sharks that night. I think it's like the exact same spot. It's just such a good time for them to get right they'd shown a lot of competitive play versus uh lesser team or better teams and then i think this is the one where they can kind of take advantage of the habs yeah it's uh finally time to play our yotes here i got my yotes cap on because i knew we'd be on them oh i um, played them sunday tim don't worry I was oh did you really oh, no, i did too i did finish. i'm a moron i, I did too. <laughs> yeah I, w- I try to i'm trying to wash that from uh existence it's a new <laughs> I week was Nick. Pissed. i was i was really pissed over that 
I, I tell you, what, I was sitting on the couch and, and I had to pee and the game is like halfway through overtime or whatever. And I just got up and peed. I said, I don't want to watch them lose. I, I know they're going to lose. I came back. My dad goes, oh, uh, Winnipeg won in overtime. I'm like, yeah, poor, I know they did. Yeah, I, you didn't need to tell me that. But um, I'm also, there's one or two six and a halfs left here. Um, if you can get it, I like under six and a half. Surprisingly, both teams uh, have actually been over teams this year. Montreal a little more slightly than Arizona, but I think Arizona's run of... Uh, Overs, especially as of late, has to do with that poor goaltending. Having Ingram bra- Ingram back against uh, Montembeau likely um, bodes for for more of an under game here. Both guys have been uh, real real good this year when they're playing and healthy, and um, it's kind of the the avenue that both teams want to go here. So if you can get one of the stragglers six and a half, so I would endorse that as well. Under. Okay. Uh, Flyers, Sharks, and Coyotes as our underdogs. Let's move on to the big board. Nick and I, you are on different sides for this one right off the jump. Washington and Detroit. The Caps are plus 150. Detroit is minus 180 and the total six and a half. I understand that the Caps are banged up. um, And this is going to be a little tricky schedule spot with them playing on Monday night, then traveling to Detroit uh, to take on the Wings who are just winning in a... They just don't lose, basically. Uh, They could win. They could beat you in a hundred different ways except by winning at five on five. Mm -hmm. Um... And that's my point here. It's like the, the Red Wings, you look over their last 10 games, they're near the bottom of the league in terms of differential, high danger scoring chance differential, expected goals percentage, shot attempt rate. And I understand that the, the power play's going and they're getting good performances from uh, Kane, Lucas Raymond, et cetera, at the top of the lineup. Their clinical team, the goaltending has been superb. I think at 920 save percentage on the dot over their last 22 games from Alex Lyon uh, mostly, and then a little bit of James Ryder and Reimer and one period of Ville Husso. Uh, it just seems unsustainable to me. So I don't want to pay this price, Nick. I, I get it. I know uh, the caps are in a bad way right now, just in terms of their roster, but I think this number could get bigger on Washington and I want to play them. So I or want to play against Detroit. So that's, that's my thinking here is hopefully finally this team gets served up some, some rotten luck. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm not uh, betting the wings. I just thought this is, I kind of lean with them, but I'm fully with you. I think Detroit is a complete luck box right now. And they're one of those teams right now that's just a perfect example of people point to everything that they're doing right when things work, but things could easily go wrong. And they didn't get much market respect ahead of the Chelios game. And I could see why. And um, yeah, they won it in dramatic fashion it's a tremendous story but i don't see and i we were talking about how this was a, a take that was going around on twitter how that was much of a pro, uh, a positive look for the red wings at all it was an amazing story and it's like a perfect way you know creating great television but they easily could have lost that game versus chicago and that's been and they were pretty well outplayed for parts of that game and that's been the story a lot recently so i want to sell on detroit I think I'm there's probably no way I don't end up on the Islanders in Thursday's matchup, I think, uh, versus Detroit. But just this wait. one, I'm just a little bit Come scared. On. I think the Caps are just, I still think they're going to have such a hard time scoring goals moving forward, but we'll see. I, yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I'm, I really want to fade Detroit as well. Um, but my trepidation is definitely like kind of the spot for the Capitals. Like sometimes it's, you're ready to fade a team and it's just, it's just not quite the spot. 
Um, you kind of have to be patient. I'm not patient, so I'll probably still throw a half unit on the Capitals. But, um, you know, the Red Wings were served up just an all-time no-show from St. Louis on Saturday. Just a didn't-even-get-off-the-bus uh, type game for St. Louis. And they've, you're right, Nick, they've just, they've been extremely lucky. Leboff, you mentioned the underlying numbers. I just worry that this isn't quite the spot for it to happen. So um, the eyeball test says this line for me is a little long, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I end up playing it, if anything, like I said, half unit on the Capitals, because it's just, I wish it was another team coming in. And then the the, the next team that comes in. Just wait till Thursday, baby. Is the effing New York Islanders. Wait till and Thursday. That's just, and that is like just a recipe for, might as well just go throw my wallet in the ocean. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the caps are, they still, I still, to me, think they profile all right in the spot with uh, a good effort, good structure, good goaltending, hopefully. So. Oh, we'll and see. they're going with, uh, they're going with their better goalie um, on the second, the second half of back to back. Kempfer's going first night. Uh, Knights and Leafs up next. Uh, Toronto red hot. Vegas. They are licking their wounds still. They're plus 142. The Leafs minus 170 at home. Total of six and a half. This does feel like pretty classic, like banana skin game for the Leafs. Uh, you know, you, you you win all these games. You come home taking on a team you just uh, played really well against, got the win. Uh, that game against Colorado to close out the road trip was uh, you know, fantastic. You you get the win in altitude, all that, all that noise. Um now you're home, and uh, the parade has been thrown at Maple Leafs Plaza. Look out! Here come the Leafs. It just it feels like the classic spot for them. The problem is that I who is even on the Vegas Golden Knights at this point? Like there's they're they're missing you know so many bodies. I know Aiden Hill's in goal, so that gives them a little bit of a a foundation. But when you're going up against the team as good as, as with as good a you know first couple units as, as the Maple Leafs like and you don't have your guys who can negate that so it's a little tricky here especially with Toronto's the way Toronto's going and, and defending like this actually feels like a a much more a cagier match or a cagier game than you would think uh, a, a regular Leafs game would look so I'm gonna pass here Nick yeah that's where I'm at I think we might have kind of seen the bottom for the Knights a little bit it does feel like a bit of a scary spot on the Leafs as well Samsonov had some plays that could have been worse versus the abs too. If he goes, I don't know. It might be walls return though, too. He's, he's right there. He's back up. So I think that'd be kind of a notable factor. And that would maybe kind of makes me feel like they don't let down as much too. Yeah. And the Knights, it's just so scary with this team. Cause I mean, they do have their complete blue line back now, which is, which should lend itself to some better, uh, shot suppression moving forward, although it's it's tough when they don't have Stone and Eichel still. But um, yeah, it it feels like a weird spot. I think the Knights are a tough team to handicap. Like they're playing so bad, they're getting out chance nightly. We kind of talked about wanting to sell on them, and it's been one of the things that's actually been working for us. But um, I don't know if it's quite the number for me. I it it does feel like one of these ones where maybe they kind of hang around and get a good hill performance and and steal it. So I don't quite have the conviction on the Leafs. Yeah, I th I feel like um, I really wanted to fade the Leafs in, in this spot for all the reasons you mentioned, Leboff, but Vegas is is a really hard team to bet on right now. And I feel like if you are if you are on Vegas for this game, and like by all means, you know, I I can't find my way out of a paper bag right now. But if you're on Vegas, I feel like the handicap is like Toronto just slips up. 
right? It's like there aren't a lot of good reasons um, to f- to feel great about Vegas right now, uh, aside from I guess the blue line, Nick, and, and the goaltending. I think possibly what I might do is because um, I love watching the Leafs, you know, every night. Uh, they're just the most entertaining uh, watch in the entire league from the from start to the beginning of of, of all the um, bells and whistles and the media is if you have like one of those boosts or something, uh, same game parlay boost, I think if the Knights win, it goes under because of, you know, the decor, uh, you know, does their job and Hill as well. So if you want to go same game parlay, Knights and under for a small taste, I think like that might be the best way if you really have the itch for this. I would then throw uh, Hill to go over his save prop on that yeah. too. Probably so. a good way to attack. Um, yeah, the other, for the Leafs, this is such a game for me. Like I thought the Avs game was the same thing and they actually found a way to show that like that you're actually a little different and granted i think that they've done exactly this in like for the last however many like february's and january's and now people are talking about it like it's different again and it's like what why they're always this good and then it always gets in the playoffs and the games are tight and they don't find a way but um the division is still there for the taking like and that is going to offer a huge competitive edge so as much as you could say maybe they you know, let down. These are really big games because that's been one of the flaws in recent years. And some of the first round exits was they didn't quite get together a good enough push to avoid a nightmare around one matchup. And then you're playing a team that goes to the cup final half the time. So um there is motivation there. They're playing at full strength. They're getting more from the roster, but their depth has yeah. finally got going. They're, and it's like that's that's big for them. Yeah. Um Moving uh, Max Domi up the lineup has been a stroke of genius from from Tree Living signing that guy. We're gonna bet against the Leafs on Thursday. By the way, I, I won't tell you who they're playing, but um, I can guarantee you we're gonna be betting against the Leafs on Thursday, especially if they win on Tuesday. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Ottawa and Nashville up next. Ottawa's playing Monday night. We're recording this before that game uh, against Washington. Now they head to 
Nashville for Tuesday night. It will be uh, Junis Corpusalo, I believe, because Anton Forsberg uh, has been confirmed for Monday night. Uh, Sens plus 120, Preds minus 142, total here of six. Uh, Nick, are, are the Predators just being priced like the Barry Trotz Predators still? Like, I feel like they are in terms of like the totals. You'd expect yeah. that it would have caught on, but I think people, they just have this thing in their head that when you think of Nashville Predators, you just think 3-2 games in overtime. Um, Pekarini or, or Usara standing on his head and the other team like just being frustrated with how well they're playing defensively, but that's just not how it's going. And especially with their their dance partner in this one, it's pretty surprising that this number is at six right now. And who knows where it goes? Yeah, and I have lost on trying to bet some of these sends overs right now, but, but I still just don't quite think this is where they're going to stay. I think they're going to be a high-scoring team. I'm interested to see if they would maybe go back-to-back with Forsberg here. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility considering where they're at in the season and how horrific Forsberg has been. But he was pretty decent in that Panthers game, so they probably will go with him, and I don't mind that. So, yeah, I lean with the over here. I think the Preds continue to be a sneaky high-event team. They actually seem due for positive offensive regression. And, I mean, they, they were getting it over that road trip, but I think this one has the avenues to open up. I like the chances both teams put up some offense in this game. I should note, I jotted down six. It's six and a half, uh, but it's a you know, minus 110 on either side. Uh, Tim, anything sense of Preds? God, the Senators, man. Oof. Here they come. Here Who they could have seen this come. one coming? Who could have seen? It's not like not something they do very often. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I leave off. I for one still look at the pan, the Predators that way sometimes by accident. I, yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's kind of my gut instinct, but I, I might play the over here. I think uh, you you kind of convinced me. Um, kind of convinced me there. I I just kind of look back to I think it was a week or two ago where that uh, that Senators Anaheim game where it was like, I feel like the Senators play a lot of these games where it was a 5-1 loss, and it's like they don't, uh, they do that too often. Like, win 5-1, lose 5-1, and, and it can't push it over, even though that, you know, that is the DNA for an over game. So, uh, I could get here uh, on this over, but I'm really, really, I'm just still terrified to touch the Ottawa Senators, because I just have no idea what I'm getting. No clue. Yeah, the one thing that I'll throw out there too that's interesting on the Preds, and their goaltending's been a lot better lately. I think both these guys kind of had their numbers tanked in a couple of really bad games, but Saros and Lincoln have both given up more goals than expected. They're both putting up below average results this season, which I think is a real testament to how good the Preds are actually playing and what Andrew Burnett has done because um, it seems pretty crazy to think that they're holding a wild card spot and goaltending isn't the reason why. Yeah, Predators, a uh, five-game winning streak. I mean, if the Nashville Predators can do it, why can't the New York Islanders do it, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Canes and Wild up next. Uh, Carolina minus 142 on the road. The Wild plus 120 total here of six. This one is actually six. I'm not mistaken on this one. Uh, Carolina, I, I don't have anything on this game really. I'd, I, I want to bet Carolina. I think that this price actually looks just fine. I do think that if you want to bet Carolina to win the uh, Metro now is the time to do it. Like the Rangers just went on that crazy heater. We know that they were buoyed by some uh, positive puck luck and uh, you know just things bouncing their way and winning uh, the big moments of, of a bunch of different games. Uh, so they're getting all this attention now, but Carolina is now drifted to like three and a half to one. There's still runway left. Like there's more than a, a quarter of a season left. And you're talking about a team that, has 
regularly over the past five years, six years under Brendamore, gone, you know, 15, two and one over an 18 game stretch. So uh, it would require something pretty big, but there's, there's plenty of runway left for this Carolina team to do that. Uh, so now would be the time to do it, I think. Um, but on this game, I think it looks just about right. Nick. Yeah, I was close with Carolina here. I don't think it's the worst price. I like your division play. I was actually debating the same thing, trying to decide if I think doing it before the Rangers game um, on Wednesday is the move or not, because I do think Columbus will get to that. I think Columbus can give them an honest shot again. They've been getting outplayed by basically everyone. I get that they have better goaltending than everyone and that they have a great power play. They can create chances that probably are a little under the radar, analytically speaking, but I still think they've been running really good in terms of the amount of goals against they've been allowing. And it looked like it might happen again in that first period versus Columbus. I was just ready to have a fit. So anyways, I think that I love your your uh, call there. And to talk about the Wild, they're playing really, really well right now. And their underlying process is really good. And I know we've been high on them. We gave out to make playoffs like two weeks ago. And I, I think that's a solid take. The reason that I kind of think it's a decent time to sell, first off, is how high I am on Carolina. And second, I do think some of the things that have worked out for the Wild might not be that sustainable moving forward. They've really just got one line absolutely dominating. I think instantly that's a tough go here, especially if Carolina can do better to shut that unit down than we saw. I tried to fade the Wild versus the Kraken. It was kind of a disaster. But the other thing that's been going on is they've been getting so many five-on-three goals and ridiculous flurries of power plays. And... That just doesn't happen in the NHL. And I know it's a bit of a weird reason to like knock on a team, but like the Vancouver game, that was what the Canucks were all pissed about. Is just a lot of those calls never get made for the five on three. And then it was kind of similar in that flurry where the Wild really just won the Kraken game. So I look at this team, I think it's kind of a good spot to sell. I feel like as much as I like what's been going on, Carolina has the avenues to own like three lines of the game and then, you know, hopefully try to get Stahl's unit against the Boldy line as much as possible. They've got a good penalty kill. I think the Wilder are due not to get nearly as many power plays as they've been getting as well. Um, just off what we know about, you know, refereeing in the NHL, those things tend to level off. So I don't hate the price with the Wild here. I, I, or sorry, with the Hurricanes here. I think it's not a bad spot. I think they'll carry their share of the play for sure. I Yeah, I really like the Wild. Um, the On a macro level, uh, you know, like like you said, Nick, with that playoff bet. But when you look at this Carolina team, I think we think pretty highly of them. And look at this spot. You lose two in a row, it's kind of sneakily, because they've been playing some really good hockey. Lose two in a row. And now if, like, the Wild start flurry, I really like Carolina. Like, <laughs> I know it's, um, I know it's like hit or miss with a lot of these, like, projections, but I've seen, like, kind of flurry's name here and there. So I think if flurry goes, I could be on Carolina to minus 150. Yeah, I'd say it's a true not no. Honestly, I'd kind of still expect Gustafsson, but Flurry did play good versus the Kraken, so who knows? Uh, um, well, Carolina, Carolina too. It, when you look at this number and home ice and all that, Carolina is in another class than Minnesota. I think we can all agree. Like Minnesota's fighting for their playoff lives. Carolina, Carolina could be fighting for the division, right? I think this this is kind of a this is could be a sneaky like finally get to bet a good team at a, a kind of a shortish price. Yeah, the Bayern Munich theory. Yeah. Uh Carolina's also 34 to 1. There might be I haven't really chopped around but to, to win the president's trophy. So I guess if you think you could catch they can catch the Rangers, uh you could also uh talk yourself into that too. Uh 
Blues and Jets up next. St. Louis is plus 164 in Winnipeg. The Jets minus 198. The total here is six. And what did you know? Everybody left the the Jets for dead uh, in the Central Division race uh, a couple weeks ago, let's say. And now they are at the top of the division in terms of points percentage. They're the favorite to win the division uh, with uh, Dallas and uh, Colorado slowing down a little bit over the recent stretch of play. They've got three games at hand on both Dallas and Colorado. I still think this price looks a little bit too rich on a Winnipeg team that is your classic. Don't want to bet them when they get to this kind of uh, range just because of how they have to win their games. They play through, they build from the back, goaltending, strong structure, strong commitment to uh, their system, details, lack of, I want to call it like ability to run away, I guess. And the blues are a team that can, you can just shell them. I mean, the Islanders did it. Bennington stood on his head. And, and I think that game was incredibly strange, but um, you can, the, the blues can give up, can, can register three for shots on goal for every 10 of yours and still beat you because of uh, their, the, the way their top line's going. Bennington's ability to get hot. I know they're on the front of a back-to-back, so we might see Joel Hofer here. I don't really know if that matters all that much, but uh, I like uh, I like St. Louis here in these kind of spots uh, against the Winnipeg team that I think people are starting to talk about again, Tim, and and that's always something for me. When, when a team like Winnipeg is getting attention um, for their on-ice stuff, I, I start to think, all right, well, time to go the other way. Yeah, well, you know, congrats to the Winnipeg Jets for taking care of business against the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes in overtime. You know, definitely kudos to them. Really tough part of the schedule. Um, I I hate St. Louis. I think they're like so overrated. But um, the fact that they just had that absolute dud against Detroit, not playing again till Tuesday, you can get the full, uh, you know, brutal couple days of practice here get your team's attention i think it's um I, I think it's closer than this this line indicates like you said um but it does take a lot for me to bet st louis because i i just i i think that they're really flawed yeah i think i think that i lean with the blues as well i don't like we like you said tim i'm kind of right there i don't really want to bet on the blues but the Jets in the month of February, they're they're giving up more chances altogether than they're getting. I get that they have Connor Hellebuck, but that never makes a competitive case for betting a team at the kind of numbers they are. I think the Coyotes were obviously a very good bet on Sunday, despite the way it ended. Um, would have said the same about the Chicago game. I think you look at their recent performances, they haven't been that convincing. I think the back end's a little gettable right now. Um so yeah, for me, I think it is a decent price on the Blues to get there. I do. The Blues are really good at creating those plays through seams too, and I think that's a good, good way to like that is a good strength versus a goaltender like Hellebuck, where you don't want to just I think funnel weaker shots at the net. I think that you know the ability to create plays that no goalies are going to save or rarely is kind of a good leg up in a spot like this. So I don't mind it. I'm very low on the Blues, but I agree. I could I think I could see them sneaking their way into this one. Okay, uh, Kings and Flames up next. Uh, Los Angeles will be on the second night of the Alberta two-step. They play Monday night in Edmonton. They travel to Calgary right now. It's it's essentially a pick em. Kings are a slight road favorite, minus 115. Flames minus 105. Uh, the total here is sitting at six. I do have a caveat here. I think 
that you'll get a good number on Calgary. I want to get a uh, them as a plus money underdog. If Los Angeles can beat Edmonton, they're obviously an underdog in that game or show well, maybe get it to overtime. But any plus number, I, I'll, I'd bet Calgary here. This is a tricky spot. Huge game for the Kings on uh, Monday night. The, they're tied on points with the Oilers. They can get back into that third spot in the Metro. So this is a, a little bit of a letdown spot. Meanwhile, the Flames are still in fighting. The Paci- for, in the Pacific? Excuse me. The Pacific. It's all, it's, uh, you know what? I my just decided just, to let it go, Tim. I was my like, life just revolves around the Islanders knows. and their playoff chase. All right. Like, it's all I think about. All you, were on a t- you were on a tear, and I was like, do I let it go? And I was nah. just like, I thought people would just be like, these guys are so dumb. They never know what division well, they play. They would be right about that. <laughs> uh, so they could nab that uh, number three spot in the Pacific uh, with a win over the Oilers on uh, Monday night. The Kings are playing well, but you always have to be concerned about their goaltending. And the Flames, too, like their five on five numbers of late are fine. Like, this isn't a, a team that the Kings should, you'd feel comfortable that they're just going to crumple at five on five, uh, which then would negate that advantage uh, or disadvantage. So, yeah, I, I think that Calgary is an, as an underdog at plus money is fine. We'll see if we get it. But uh, I don't really want to lay it with the Kings here, Nick. Yeah, this one I think we do have a little more disagreement on. I'm, I'm close. I can see your spot. I'm more, if I can get the, the Kings. At like minus one ten, I think I'd play that. To me, this just looks like. First off, I think Talbot is the goalie that needs to be the better goalie for the Kings. I don't know if it'll come, and that's this the scary part here is that you know it's Talbot versus Markstrom. But at these prices, if you're going to have the Kings starting goalie, and I know they're kind of playing Riddick more, but I still think that Talbot is the better goaltender. Um, you're pretty much just telling me that Flames are this close to the Kings right now. I don't know if I entirely see it. I think it's like a decent time to kind of sell on that. Um, I don't have a lot of, a lot of conviction either way though. It just, it still seems crazy to me to think that we're talking about betting the flames in a 50, 50 matchup versus the Kings right now with the way these rosters look on paper, but maybe it's warranted. Is it fair to look at um, the Bruins just in this exact spot and being around minus one thirty? And now the Kings, it looks like, you know, minus 115. Can we get anything out of that comparison or is it just null void? Yeah, yeah. Like, it makes sense to me. Like the Bruins are. The, the Bruins were without Grizzlick and Lindholm, though, which I think stacks a little bit and was relevant. But Right. So then it should have been shorter. No, like the Bruins line should have been. Well, I thought you were looking at it as saying like the Flames were that big of a favorite in that game. Right. Right. Oh no! Because the so the Bruins are minus one thirty at Calgary. Oh now, right, right, right. Yeah, so now and now the Kings are minus one fifteen at Calgary on the same back to back with the Bruins injuries and whatnot. I'm saying that uh, should the Kings be more towards like the injured Bruins team number as like this is short on the Kings. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. I, I, I food. Yeah, for that's now. true. That's a fair point. Also. Good games from the Flames in the one since then. I think would be the other thing to note here. Obviously, with a really good showing in the Battle of Alberta, and uh, but that also kind of works to my point here. Is I feel like we've probably seen some of the better level from the Flames. Thus, because that Bruins Calgary game went to overtime, I might be looking at overtime here. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, right now the overtimes. There's these games are looking. I think that's an interesting subject to like kind of go into. I thought last week it really stood out that the games were starting to look a little more like playoff hockey. I thought we saw it like a lot more that were really kind of battened down, tightly contested games. You could kind of see the way that they were being competed compared to some of the games right out of the break. So 
Yeah, I, I definitely think we'll probably continue to see a lot of overtimes over the next stretch of play. Because to me, it's it's like a team like LA. It's really the the emphasis that they're willing to just get at least one point. Can we just get one point out of this? That's crucial. Let's just make this a staring contest. One point at least. So I think that that might be playing into this as we get down the, the playoff stretch here as well. Okay. Uh, One more until we get to best bets. That's Penguins and Canucks. This one in Vancouver. Pittsburgh traveling as a plus 136 underdog at the moment. Vancouver minus 162, total of six and a half. Pittsburgh responded to a couple of ugly results with uh, a couple of wins over the weekend and now can maybe make a push. But, you know, this is the same song and dance we've seen from a whole whole host of teams uh, in the Eastern Conference. Um, So now they run into a Canucks team that looked better. They're starting to, I think, work things out with with how they want this, their, their roster to to shape up with, with Lindholm in the fold. Maybe Teddy Bluger bumps down to the fourth line and you play Lindholm with like Dakota Joshua on that third line. Who knows? But it does feel like Vancouver is starting to pick itself up after that little uh, calamitous three or four game losing streak, whatever it is. And Pittsburgh's now traveling to Vancouver without Jake Gensel, without Brian Russ. So you're going to be looking at a situation where you're, what do you, you're asking Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson to, to provide basically everything or your goalie to stand on his head. The one thing I could see here though, is that they get, they don't see Demko. They see Casey to Smith against his former team. I don't know how likely it is, but coaches do like to play into that stuff. And I think Tockett has actually done a pretty good job of massaging and dismiss starts this season and keeping Demko as fresh as possible. So this is one that he could easily uh, do that. Keep an eye on the status of Russ. I think if he, if he played it, would make Pittsburgh a little more appealing, but right now when you're looking at that forward group, it's, it's tough to get there, especially with knowing that, you know, their, their defensive numbers can, uh, their, their blue line can implode it at any time as we saw on uh, Sunday against the Flyers, Nick. So penguins or pass. Yeah. I thought these prices looked pretty fair to me and you know, the Canucks, they had that five game losing streak and it felt like a lot of it was, the loot the, like they got away from their game which we see happen to so many teams at some point or other in the year i didn't feel like it was necessarily like the most accurate assessment they were due for some worse luck in terms of just pucks just ending up into their net i thought the bruins win was about as positive a win as you could possibly see though because they didn't really deserve to be down 2-0 and they found a way to grind it out you could just see the commitment from the group you could see the structure the way they wanted it and i wouldn't be surprised to see them follow it up here with a strong showing. Dismiss's been pretty good too. So I'm I'm with you. I'd kind of rather see how this one shakes out where the number goes, but I wouldn't talk anyone out of the Canucks. I think their strengths can make this pretty tough on the Pens who've had a hard time winning games even when they have more of the play. So that yeah, I think that's kind of my case there. And I like I said, I, I think we phrased it ahead of that Saturday game really properly. It felt like a game where if you believe the Canucks aren't a fraud, they were going to come out and show really well. And I thought they did exactly that. I still feel like that's kind of the team there are. And that that road trip was kind of just a number of things getting away from them. And then they just weren't into it in that cracking game. And that drew a big response from Talkit. And I think that drew a really good response from the group Saturday. So I kind of, I don't hate betting them here, but maybe not the best number. Yeah, I don't like the number. I, I kind of wanted to be on Vancouver here, um, but I think the number is just a little bit too long. I, I really don't like 
Vancouver's back end. I just, I still don't think it's secure enough. Um, Nick, I don't know how Tyler you feel Myers about was that. Horrific in yeah. that Bruins game, like holy. <laughs> and um, I, I thought about under six and a half. Just because you know, I know Pittsburgh went two for four the power play against Philly, but it's really it's if you're gonna go over, you need power plays to click, and it's a power play that is still seems pretty lost. So I, I sort of considered that, but uh, that would be my closest lean on this game. I think. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, best bets now. We can start uh, with mine because we've already talked about it a bunch. I like the Flyers. I'm with I'm with you here, Tim. Uh, they are a even money underdog at home against the bolts as we record these two teams are complete opposite ends of the spectrum with the way they want to beat you uh philadelphia wants to play that five on five game they want to keep things predictable and tidy uh, and rely on that and and their work ethic and effort and their ability to, to push play in the right direction uh at even strengths to be the difference whereas tampa bay is more than happy to to seed you possession and, and territory and then make up for it with uh, strong goaltending and uh, dynamite power play, and of course Nikita Kucherov. So I, I'll, I'll always take a shot uh, at these kind of prices on the Flyers in in a situation like this, especially at home. Can I add one thing? Yes. How how do we feel about no Konechny and likely no Drysdale? Well, no Drysdale for sure. Connect. The problem with I I feel like the Flyers are a a type of team that can absorb that kind of stuff in in a weird way. I mean, I it, feel that way too. My it God. limits their ceiling. Uh, and I, the Drysdale injury isn't as concerning to me in terms of like the immediate term as the Konechny one because you're talking about scoring upside here. But uh, yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not like it's going to be a good thing. I still think I like the team game. And, and and you look at the two rosters, even without those two guys, you're like, look at the depth here for, for Tampa Bay, man. I mean, Calvin DeHaan's getting big minutes for them. And, and I love Calvin DeHaan, but don't think I'm, I'd be too concerned. So um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. But I still like the Flyers here. Uh, on to your best bet, Nick. It comes to us in the Stars and Avalanche. And that one is a back-to-back for Dallas. They are playing Jake Ottinger. Uh, Scott Wedgwood will take on the mighty New York Islanders on Monday night. The Stars are plus 120 underdog doing that infamous back-to-back with Colorado as a second leg. Uh, the Avs minus 142, a total here of six. Yeah, and I'll just throw it before we move on from the Flyers section. I'll be keeping my eye on Morgan Frost's props. I think it's a pretty good look. Uh, one of the, the thing I'm the lowest on right now with Tampa is their defensive play. So if he's going to play top line, top power play, um, depending on who's in the lineup, obviously, I think that that's the guy I want to keep my eye out for. And then, yeah, Avs stars over six and a half. There was sixes out there right when we started recording, which... Unfortunately, went off the board, but I would do six and a half to plus 100, or I'll say minus 105. So hopefully, we can get some of those. I think maybe there'll be some buyback on the under here. Um, this just looks to me like one of these ones. The Stars have way too much offensive upside to not get theirs versus the Avs right now. I think that they're they're obviously gearing up for a big performance in this spot. They're uh, playing Adinger, so I'm fully aware of that because that obviously works against the under when we're going to see Wedgwood play the opening night. But I think that when I think about them having to fly after tonight's game versus Islanders to take on the Avs right now, I don't see them suppressing the Avs offensively too often. We saw it versus a really good Leafs, or I shouldn't really good Leafs team, but a good Leafs defensive side, what the Avs are capable of in any game script. You just can't find a way to lock up 
the Taves McCarr unit when McKinnon's on the ice. It's just, it's really is just kind of unfair. I feel like they're going to tilt the ice and find their way in this game to get some offense. But I also love the way that the Stars can generate versus the other units. I think that they're a better offense than uh, their their strengths right now rely more on the offensive side of things than the defensive side of things, kind of contrary to what we've seen for years from the Stars. So I like the over here. I think there's a good chance that specifically both teams get to three and get it there that way. It's a little scary because it is one of these like huge division showdowns where we tend to see teams walk it up defensively. But I just don't think that those strengths are there for either side right now. I mean, you look at the Avs, I've made this point a lot, but dating back well over a month, you can set it to whatever, set it to January if you want. And, and they're one of the worst defensively teams in the league in terms of chances against. They rank eighth worst. So, And I think that continues to show. We kind of set it ahead of the Florida game, the Carolina game, the Tampa game, the Toronto game, all these good teams. I've kind of been putting this stat out there. And I think it's like, it, it meets the, the, the eye test matches up with the data here. So I don't think the Avs are a good defensive team right now. I think the Stars can get to them on that front. But I like the chances that McKinnon and McCarr and company break through with some offense as well. Yeah, I, I grabbed that over uh, six on open. You know, you like, so like six and a half, Nick, or no? Yeah, yeah, I would do six yeah. and a half. I think uh, that the opening number is just a complete misprice, but I still like it when I, I mean, I was expecting to be betting over six and a half. So the fact that there was sixes out there was just it's a good surprise. Yeah, I agree. And um, I also uh, took some avalanche as well, uh, buying into the the back-to-back here. I know it's going to be Ottinger, but um, I just think that the, the avalanche have to have to be due to play some better hockey here. And maybe they, uh, they can catch Dallas in a tough spot here and their stars can light the lamp enough um, that it's avalanche and over, but definitely overs um, where I, what I feel better about and my best bet here. Um, I thought Nick was the other way, but I'm wrong and can't read. So uh, I'm on under uh, Buffalo and the Florida Panthers six and a half, six and a half is all still out there. What if I told you that both these teams are dead nuts under teams, Buffalo, 22 to the over, 33 to the under. Florida, 20 to the over, 37 to the under. I think that surprises a lot of people when they think of Florida as uh, as good as they've been all year. you got to score goals to win in, the, in this league, but they've been an under team. And Buffalo, we think of them as a more of a higher variance team. But it looks like the underlying numbers tell you not so much when it comes to the to the total goals in a game because they're they're an under team so i think a lot of people will probably gloss over that this is this is under six and a half for me yeah i like this under i think it's a i think it's a good look the the panthers looked really stale offensively in their first in their in their matchup with the caps um saturday i think they'll fall off a little bit on that front and remain a really good defensive team and yeah, I agree. I think it just sets up a little too high with the way the Sabres are trying to win games. I do think that UPL isn't going to play at this absurd level the rest of the way. But those six and a half is a pretty high total the way these teams are playing right now. So specifically a Buffalo game. And their offense continues to look quite stale relative to what it was last year. They're really just a completely different team right now. So I agree. I think that it's a little surprising there's still six and a halfs out there. I wouldn't be shocked to see this one close at six um, at a lot of sports books. So, yeah, right with you, Tim. Yeah, I actually don't hate a shot on the Sabres here just because I think that like their defensive form right now is 
and I and like you touched on there, Nick, it's 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 more of like a tactical thing, I think, than anything else, which is they're just trying to shut games down as much as they can, uh, turn them into these like sleepers, uh, sleepy rock fight kind of tilts. And only uh, two teams have allowed fewer high danger scoring chances uh, at five on five over their last 10 games than uh, the Sabres. That's the Hurricanes and the Islanders. Um, but I, I do think a team that generally wants to turn games into rock fights profile well as, as big underdogs. And they're starting to, I think, just play a better overall team game. Jeff Skinner injury uh, is one to keep an eye on, but uh, it would be Sabres or nothing for me. Okay, uh, that wraps up this episode of Line Changers, a long one. A lot of games on the docket, a lot of big games on the docket. If you missed it or forgot, at the top of the show, Tim, uh, his underdog was the Philadelphia Flyers. I took the San Jose Sharks to a raucous approval from from the other two guys. Uh, and Nick took a uh, Arizona Coyotes underdog play at minus 110, but we'll let him get away with it. The best bets uh, came in on the under in Buffalo and Florida. I like the Flyers as a money line play in against the Bolts. And Nick took the over and stars and abs on Tuesday night. That'll do it for this episode of Line Change. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you for reviewing and subscribing and all that. If you haven't, please do so. Thank you to our producer, Noah. And best of luck with all your bets on Tuesday. We will be back for you on Wednesday morning. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.